Welcome back to another episode of the Key in the Light podcast, the premier whiskey podcast without the mention of whiskey in the title whatsoever. This is Jake Hookie coming live from my apartment once again because in Chicago we are still semi-quarantined, entering into that phase three as of last Wednesday where bars and restaurants are kind of open but not really open. Uh, Wilson Ramon Torres is no longer with me. Oh, wait. He's just not with me, I guess. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's no, he, he's he, no longer he with us. Um, if you're, this is your first time listening to the podcast or if you haven't listened to too many episodes, uh, Wilson and I run a whiskey podcast talking about kind of all things whiskey inside of the Chicago whiskey industry. And if you haven't heard of my dog, Remy the Lou, barking on the podcast before, then she's also making her presence felt too. Um, just trying to say hello. She's a Siberian Husky with a lot to say and a lot on her mind, and I guess so are we. But usually on this podcast, like I said, we talk about whiskey, talk about fun things that are happening in the bar, bar world and outside of that as well, and kind of how... The history of the past intertwines with the current uh, current condition, modern times inside of our industry when it comes from anything from events to laws being passed about whiskey, what we're drinking these days, popularity and brands and everything else. But we always have to do with a smile on our face and kind of joking, maybe having a pint or two, getting into our cups a little too deep sometimes. Um, That's never happened. And making nonsense <laughs> with our Scottish friends and our guests that come on the podcast. We traditionally have guests on. A few things happen to... Uh, it's been a couple of days trying to get some certain people on to talk about this and uh, what's kind of going on in the world right now, but the schedules have changed, and so we are just... I'm here today uh, with Callum O'Donnell of Abelar. Hello. He uh, fills in a lot as a co-host when Wilson bails on me like he is doing right now, so <laughs> just shaming him too. And then also we have with us is Jamie Duffy. Hello. Jamie um, works for The Collective by Thoroughbred. Yes, That's, you got it right. I, I'm, I always get it right. Wilson messes it up. <laughs> um, but also a good friend of ours here in the podcast and outside of the microphones in real life, too. And like I said, well, obviously, we can't like hide from what's happening inside of our world as we're recording here on June 8th, uh, Monday, June 8th, about what's been happening in Chicago and what's been happening inside of America and what's now taking place outside all of the world. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, over all the, the world, world, too, is the explosion. <laughs> um, Remy, I'm trying to be serious for a second. Take it down a notch. She wants to like smell my dog. She wants to smell <laughs> everything and say hello. She's all hyped up now. Probably went and got some snacks at Intelligentsia, came back, all worked up. But yeah, first of all, we would um, like to acknowledge that we don't support police violence, obviously, and we're very sorry for the people um, affected by George Floyd's passing, um, or murder, I should say, in Minneapolis. It's been something that, if you look at our Instagram um, and all that, I control our Instagram and do all that, and everything with the website, too. Um, it's been my position to post photos about what's been happening in Chicago and the reaction that the city is having to discrimination, um, injustice, uh, inside of the black community and other communities uh, inside of this uh, great city and what people's response has been to that. So I've been posting photos from multiple protests and marches that I have uh, walked along and snapped the... Very peaceful ones. Very peaceful ones. And that was the whole point of it, too. I come from the middle of America in Iowa, and I don't know if everybody... I don't. I know, I know not everybody's racist, obviously, um, but there's a lot of bigotry that comes inside of this, you know, this, the flyover states, if you will, in America. And just as like a white guy that wore skinny jeans, you could call a fag queer and a homo walking outside the door <laughs> <laughs> a lot. You're like, oh, okay. Um, there's probably deeper things to this. And, you know, that's the worst thing that happened to me as a kid, as a white kid growing up in a bubble and um, would never try to 
say I understand what's happening inside the black community um, for the last 400 years and what's happening now and taking place across the city, but we do want to understand. I think that's what we, uh, all three all three of us here at the table um, and the people inside of our lives and our direct friendship circles will want to do too, and that's why we, uh, we have supported everything when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but with that, we, uh, I'm not, it's kind of hard to know where to go as a white guy from this, but essentially what I wanted to do with the photos and everything I was posting of the peaceful protests were 99.9% of the people, 99% of the cops that are there as well are peaceful and helping out the supporters, um, by blocking off streets, uh, making sure everyone is safe and not, uh, you know, sitting there and listening to them, even when they're yelling, but they're rightfully so doing it, exercising their first amendment rights, um, by protesting and being angry. You can be angry, um, and yell and scream. That's not breaking the law whatsoever. And you can say it to people who are government officials and people who are employed by the government. They have every right to do so. But getting back to why I keep posting all of that on both my personal feed and the Key in the Lake feed is because I want people to see that this city isn't on fire. Um, yeah. There's been small fires, obviously, um, figuratively and literally, in certain parts of the city. But those are bad actors. Those are agitators. Not always people inside of the community either. A lot of people from out of state. Yeah. yeah. That we've seen with um, arrests being um, processed over the last... Uh, what, 10 days now um, since um, previous weekend before that when it all started on that Saturday night. What I wanted to show is that this community does hold together when you're walking down, uh, walking up Boys Town and into Uptown and there's black, white, Asian, um, gay, queer, everything you can possibly think of, people from all different incomes too, holding signs that are all in unison when it comes to supporting injustice and, you know, screaming from... Um, deep down in their body as possible and out loud to the world about how the murder of George Floyd and other people of color, other black people more specifically, um, is just not right, not fair. And it took a eight minute and 45 second video for us all to really understand that as a country yeah. and now as a world too. Yeah. And I think as well, it's, um, it's like we were saying just before the pod that, you know, it really, this time feels different, right? You know, I genuinely, and I don't know if it's because it's, because of the advancements in social media and everybody's like locked in in some way online, like everybody has access to Facebook or Twitter and Instagram or all of them or whatever it might be. Um, but it does really feel different this time, mm -hmm. you know? So we were also talking a little bit about how Minneapolis is already starting to make some moves um, towards yeah. whether it's defunding or abolishing or disbanding or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, parts of the police force up there um, so maybe maybe this is the beginning, but I think uh, just as like a white man, you know. Actually, by the way, we're all white here at this table too. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> as like a white man, like for me especially, there's been like a lot of guilt. Do you know mm. what I mean? Just just from reading a lot of the articles and reading a lot of things, and and it's something that I get as well when and it was very similar in the Me Too movement. You know, when you read a lot about like women's rights and things like that, you feel a lot of guilt. You know, and a lot of it's just about. Or for me personally, a lot of it's just about is reading as much as I can get my hands on that are from valued sources. Right. Um, but I think it's important to like sit with that guilt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I've felt really uncomfortable all week and really guilty and like really ashamed of times where, to be honest with you, as a the alcohol industry as a whole, like it's still predominantly older white men, um, and I think that. Um, a lot of the times, you know, I've spoke to being a woman in the industry, yeah. but I, and I try to stick up for women, but I don't know that I was like as outspoken for minorities as well. Yeah. Um, 
And I think it's important to just like sit and understand that and know that when you're sitting in conversations and even if it's a work business conversation and something racist is said, like it is your responsibility to speak up, whether it be, hey, I'm not comfortable with what was just said or trying to explain it or whatever. And that's a really hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yes, ballsy. It takes balls. It takes balls, but but, you're, but imagine you're, you're being a minority. Yeah, yeah, you're like they're to looking. Right. I think minorities. I don't want to speak for them, but I feel like they're looking at us. It's easier for us to say it, mm. um, you know, because. Do you feel that way as a woman too, like looking towards men that are on your side? If that happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, personally, I've said that before. Like, the people I know in the industry, like you guys and, and multiple other that you've had on the show makes my job easier because mm. i know you're huge allies of mine mm. so and i think you know like jumping onto that um i think that there's something really like if black black lives matter being a movement and, and starting to gain some traction there's so much to be said for it being able to like not just mean something for black people but also meaning something for muslims and for or for women or for any kind of minority group that has been persecuted unfairly um and one thing that I've been thinking about more and more and more over the last couple of days is obviously this is an election year, right? Mm-hmm. And Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, that remains to yeah. be seen. So as long as the virus doesn't keep that from happening. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I keep thinking about and I keep coming back to is that, like, I saw some stat the other day, like, the average age in the House of Representatives is, like, 60, mm-hmm. right? The president, the current sitting president is, what, 73, 74? I think so. Trump's like, like 73 yeah. years old. And we have a 76. And I think Biden's but I th- 77. Seven? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And I th- think the thing behind that is just open the conversations. You know, I work with people who are predominantly at least 30 years older than me. Oh, yeah. And there's no reason that like, yeah, you don't it's have about to educate yeah, maybe them it's not, as much as right. everything else, you know, maybe it's not starting it because on a business call, that's intimidating. Hmm. We are supposed to do that. But also, I think smaller <laughs> steps are having those conversations when you're on business trips and things like that and little things are said opening discussion um and one thing i've been trying to work on is like controlling my anger during conversations yeah it's hard that's hard um but i think that you get a better result when you can remain calm right try to listen to someone and explain and you know it's funny how that echoes across that echoes across the dialogue towards police right like we're essentially saying the same thing to them and like a lot of the things that i've seen especially with chicago a lot of pictures that either jake had uploaded or that i'd seen on instagram or i'd seen on the news or whatever is how like people that are to- people that are totally untrained people that are totally untrained that have never really been that have never really been told how to act and they're they're they're, they're staring a policeman that's holding a gun or whatever in their face and they have to be calm you know mm-hmm. and it's the least that we can do um as white people with this privilege you know it's the least that we can do is to be calm and to be collected when we're explaining our points to people and i've had a lot of good conversations in the last week especially with um especially with my girlfriend, you know, just kind of talking about like what it means and what the whole thing means for as a white dude, you know? Um, but a friend of mine, Ethan from home, you know, he, he lived in, he lived in like a really kind of, um, less than affluent area, right. Growing up. 
um and he was he basically said he just admitted to us the other day he was like guys i need like i need i need guidance on this stuff you know i don't know anything about this like and i genuinely and he's a white dude and and he's just like i genuinely have no i feel totally lost i look at all this stuff online i don't really know why you know i i feel the way i do at the moment and he was just genuine you know young man just genuinely looking for education on right. the subject that's you know? what you have to do I mean, yeah it'd be open about it and then when you're being open about it too you're going to hear things you might not necessarily be hard to take and it's not about creating that confrontation as you said it's about sitting there listening keeping the dialogue open too it's not about like closing anybody anybody's doors it seems like and um, you don't want to you don't want to force people away either no. you don't want to attack people in a way that's going to turn them away from the conversation right. because i feel that that happens a lot and you see it with see it with a lot of topics in america is that people open the conversation and it's immediately polarized right and you and you know we even see it obviously not to the same level but we see it in our own industry you know like people are like oh i hate scotch or I hate bourbon <laughs> or whatever it's not a hundred proof like yeah but the same my one like counter argument to that which is why i get so angry like it's a true anger that comes out is because it's not i've heard people say like we, we're not discussing politics it's not politics no it's, it's not. racism and this is like this is life right now it's racism this is, this is, like yeah. that's like no i can't i can't allow you to decide to be racist yeah I think and that's when, the hard part when people say if you hear a black person say like you're involved in an inherent racist society it's 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 true. It's true. It's true. A lot. I mean, like, I, obviously, those fundamentals and ideals are um, ex- very large extensions. I mean, like like personally, my family didn't come here till the 1920s. Like they weren't slave traders, blah blah. blah. But they were also white immigrants that were treated yeah. differently. They were treated the best, no, but they weren't treated like slaves. They weren't treated like um, family members of slaves either with you know, Jim Crow laws and not having the Voting Rights Act until 1964 as well, and not. I'm away, doggy. <laughs> um, but not having those, not being treated as essentially full humans until 50 years ago. Even then, yeah. Right, and exactly. And then there was a lot of after, obviously after effects that were still present here to today. And that's why our society is going through what it's going through right now. But as you mentioned, Nicole, the shift really seems to be happening. People aren't just letting this go. We're on the 12th night, 13th night of protests happening all across the world now because of this. We see the effects of it going into Bristol and England where they're pulling down statues of slave traders. Um, you know, My company's based out of Melbourne, Australia, and they had a protest yesterday of 10,000 people sitting there not protesting necessarily for just Black Lives Matter, but for the indigenous people in their own country um, and treating people with respect all across them because it's a, it's a they have a rough history as well when it comes to white people taking over land. And what we're seeing here is I think the best thing we can do just as people is have those conversations keep going. Um, we don't have a huge platform, but we have some sort of platform, mm-hmm. especially inside of this industry in this city, which is known as the most segregated city in the country. Right. And is is true for the most part. Yeah, like I was there's talking. There's a lot of, yeah, yeah there's a lot of rules that are keeping things that way. Right. Um, like the red zoning. Yep, which has happened in cities all across the country. Yeah. And which redlining is basically where people of color weren't allowed to buy homes inside of certain neighborhoods and restricted them essentially to their same neighborhoods where those pockets were created and now have been withstanding for uh, for decades. The communities now, yeah. Yeah. And um, also, yeah, like Oak Park, the town that I grew up with in, is next to Austin in the west side, mm-hmm. um, and they were not allowed to put for sale signs up right? Um, to try and keep people from who weren't in the neighborhood to yeah. just show up. Um, but then also, like, the, the, the tax zoning that they do. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, they'll pick neighborhoods and there's no there's no hearsay as to what that neighborhood is, right? It's not 16 blocks wide by 16. Yeah. It's yeah. rough they areas. They draw an amoeba of what they feel. Right. They freeze those tax dollars and put it towards whatever a a large skyscraper in the city yep. when it's usually the communities who need those tax dollars. Right. And that happens with voting zones as well. Same thing. Right. That prevent people from voting. It's creating the confusion of people going to the wrong places, then asking for IDs when they don't have to show the ID present. Um, just more things that kind of come out through that. I was actually just reading today, just kind of a fictional piece by Chuck Klosterman in one of his books about how kind of like just a, like a dumb little story, but it really sums up, I think, what's going on, not letting go of it. It's about this two passengers on a flight. One of them gets up to go to the bathroom, and he opens the door, and it's his first time sitting in first class, so he's enjoying the luxury of it all, and like goes to like, is it a bigger bathroom in there? And it opens the door, and there's a puma sitting on the toilet, and then so he's trying to decide if like he's just seeing this um, and having like some kind of like psychological experiment, uh, experiment, experiment uh, experience, um, and hallucinating in that sense. So he goes back to his seat goes back up again like a minute later opens the door the puma is still there so he goes back to his seat talks to the guy next to him and he's going through like hey there's a puma in the bathroom and this older guy is like going through all of these older both white guys going through like the possibilities of why there'd be a puma inside of there and they're like talking about it talking about it and he's like well, what are we gonna do and then all of a sudden a lady from across the road gets up and starts walking towards the bathroom and the main character is like should i tell her and the older guy next to him says no we'll see where this goes and then the last sentence is, we're all in this together. Yeah. They're not really all in this together. Like right. you're in it by who you choose to be in it with, um, based on people that might look like you, people that yeah. you have a similar uh, mindset of, mm-hmm. and not really caring about the community as a whole. Yeah, think, or even people you're comfortable conversing it with. Right, right. That's such a big thing too, is like having those experiences. I think a lot of it just is, like from where I, from where I come from, is people aren't exposed to people that don't look like them. Mm-hmm. It's you know predominantly well, white and they sit inside of these bubbles and when someone new comes in and throws them off, not giving the excuses to be racist, but excuse you know, people don't know like, how do I, how do I talk to people? Like, well, you just talk to them as a human being. There's somebody just like you. Well, I, I can, I can personally speak to that as an experience. Um, when I, so I, I lived all over like Western Europe, like yeah. as I was coming through university, uh, lived in um, obviously Scotland and lived in Edinburgh, lived in a capital city. Is that where you're from? Scotland? Just a little bit, yeah. Okay. People often think it's Detroit because of the accent, but whatever. Oh my God, um, your accent's so cute. Are you Australian? And so I read, um, I, read a, I read a book, uh, nonfiction, and it was about the Native Indians and the writer. And this was before, just before I left university and I was reading it as part of a culture class. And um, the writer said that at least once in your life, you should live somewhere where you are not the majority. Mm. Like your ethnic uh, background isn't the majority, like that you do stand out. And so moving to the Dominican, where, you know, maybe maybe 15% is white. Yeah. Okay. There would, be some, there would be times that I would go somewhere and I was the only white person in the room. Mm-hmm. And there is a feeling of... You know, it it was interesting for me being someone that had grown up, at, you know, gone to a university that was predominantly white, lived in Spain, France. Both of those were, uh, you know, majority of the time I was um, I was yeah. in the majority. I was at least you blend in. I was the white guy, right? Yeah. I was a, another white guy in amongst the thousands. But going to the Dominican, and I didn't experience any racism, n- none whatsoever. But going there, it was interesting just to see how it felt and sometimes it is intimidating and right. i knew and i knew that i was safe there i knew that i was never going to be 
I knew I was never, ever, ever going to have any issue. Mm-hmm. But um, to flip that on its head, if you if if you think that there might be an issue and you're surrounded all the time by people that aren't your color of skin, and you you might be attacked for it, like it's gonna it's gonna warp your mind. Right. It's gonna change the way that you view situations. Um, and I'm super lucky where I live in Chicago, and Ukrainian village is really quite it's quite diverse you know there's a lot of different um ethnicities there you know there was a lot of um russian people ukrainians things like that but then there's also a huge puerto rican yeah um part of the neighborhood and there's also a massive black part of the neighborhood and it's and it's actually refreshing to see <laughs> that coming together like that melting pot of right. everything coming together um and i specifically like to go out of my way to say hello to people you know i mean <laughs> I, I'll, you yeah. both will know that um, and the guy that lives next door to me, Junior, he's from Puerto Rico and quite obviously Hispanic looking. Um, and he has always said, like, what, after the first time I introduced myself to him, he's always said that I was the first white person in the neighborhood to do that. Wow. wow. And it's like, God almighty, it's 2020, guys. Right, you right. know, like, yeah. what's wrong with just like, and he's such a nice bloke and his garden is immaculate. Like, he has a lovely house and everything. And I'm like, what has stopped anyone that's lived in my like uh my block of mm-hmm. houses the coach house or the or the block of apartments over the way right. what stopped anyone from just leaning over the fence and saying oh how are well, you doing I think part of it is you that know? you're taught that from a young yeah. age if you're not raised if you're not raised um you know in an integrated or like yeah. diverse neighborhood yep. like my high school is known to be one of the most diverse high schools. It has its own issues, absolutely. It went to Oak Park River Forest. Wasn't there a documentary? Yeah, Yeah. on stars. And no, it wasn't easy and it's hard, but like I remember being in traveling basketball and we were downstate, like somewhere southern Illinois, and we went to Wendy's and it was like me and my three teammates who were black. And I was like, why is everyone looking at us? And they're like, oh, you can't like this isn't normal down and i never knew and i was like wow and then talking to my mom about it as well my (laughs) ma'am my ma'am she she was like i had there was colored uh drinking fountains when i was in grade school and i feel so removed from that right and it's not that long ago yeah so we have to always continue the conversation and i i keep saying that but i think that's our our role right and I saw something about like burnout. I feel burnt out already by trying to um, like discuss this always or it being like overloaded mm. in the media. But you have to imagine that this has been really what a week for us. This yeah. is minority's whole it's life. It's been two weeks to today, right? Trying Since, to yeah. explain it and persuade people right. and educate people. And that's exhausting. And that's why it's important too. To not just call up a person of color or a black person and say, like, hey, how can I be better? Like, <laughs> right. it's exhausting. Right. Like, the, I mean, one thing that of the myriad of um, videos and, you know, articles that I've been reading, the one that just kind of summed it all up for me was there was a, a lady standing in front of an audience and she said, you know, um, how many of you do you feel are complicit with ra- in racism? Mm. You know, and it was a majority white audience. In fact, it was all white basically, and you know, no one, no one wanted to admit that they'd been complicit, or no one wanted to admit that they that they'd let it swing them by. But um, then she said, "Okay, well, how many of you would want to be treated like people of color are treated in the United States?" 
and like not a single person put up their hand wow. you know so it's a ma- it's a massively contradicting statement you right. know you can't you can't have one you can't have one without the other you know um and that like that when i read when i saw that that really got the gears turning for me mm-hmm. um and i think that there's so many things that are going to become good out of this but i hope that if anything does if there is any kind of small moving of the dial then one thing is that's going to be important is that we do spend more time with people of color and you do reach out to people that are in your neighborhood and you do hang out more and just learn what it's like to be them you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. try to become more empathetic try to put yourself in their shoes and even more and now especially with the pandemic even more so in our industry you know getting people involved is going to be so important for especially small brands like going to be so so important for keeping them alive so yeah um, I think I think there's only good conversations to come out of it, and I hope that you know we look back in 30 years and think, you know, going to these protests and and learning more and feeling guilty and feeling uncomfortable for one or two weeks had a positive impact for people across, whether it's Chicago or maybe like we said before, even up all the way to Melbourne or Bristol in the mm-hmm. United Kingdom. I mean, Edinburgh had humongous Black yeah. Lives protests, um, uh, Black Lives Matter protests, you know, so hopefully right. this is the beginning of the of a big change you know because it's needed it's totally needed now yeah and i think obviously you should stay uncomfortable i think it's going to take generations obviously for things to be fixed but mm-hmm. staying uncomfortable for the time period and remembering why we're doing all this from two weeks from now like especially when sports start coming back and there's more distractions and more bars and restaurants are going to be open it can easily be forgot what this last uh potential month of protests you know whatever how long it exists and persists uh was all about and if you don't feel comfortable saying anything about like you don't know how to say i support the black lives matter movement i support black people i think one thing that all white people can do is keep their government in check um but with that this is kind of a white privilege story mixed in with like a little bit what's happening in the city um i've been out protesting last week went to four protests with thousands of people um, I would say 98% of people were wearing masks and people were trying to keep their distance as much as possible. Um, but with that, we were still technically, or we still are, I just had my own differences with the whole COVID outbreak, but um, <laughs> uh, we're still in a pandemic and people, people, people were respecting each other's spaces. Um, but yes, but if you don't, aren't familiar with Chicago, our lakefront trail, which is a beautiful bike and running trail, um, it has a park system all throughout it and beaches is still shut down on Saturday. I hopped one of the barricades along with a bunch of other runners and we're running down the late front trail and the cops stopped me about two and a half miles into my run. And they're like, Hey, turn back around. I'm like, and I literally throw up my arms. Like I can protest and thousands of people, but I can't go running on the lake by myself. And he's like, yep. Tell Lori Lightfoot that <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm glad we had that mutual understanding as a black cop and a white cop in the, in the, in the car. Uh, and I was like, and I was going to be confrontational a little bit at first. Also, cause you're, you know, adrenaline's going and heart rate going. Yeah. I'm like, you know what guys, totally respect everything you guys have done i've been at the protest this week and you guys have like held it down for everybody and i support everything you do went up and like gave him a fist bump and was on my merry way but the contradiction of it is that i I'm, i would hope everybody here and everybody who's listening knows i'm 100 in the favor of the protest happening but we opened up two parks in the city so those could happen but the certain parts of the city are still closed even though they fall in the same restrictions as a park being open for a protest like calling out those hypocrisies is something you can do to support your government. So it'll trickle down to say, hopefully police will be affected by that, but saying keeping the police accountable, keeping um, people who are doing follow-up and uh, what do you call it? Um, 
trials with police officers that it's not just done in-house by changing those laws. So about voting and going to your government and saying, like, you can change these laws and hopefully it'll make a whole system fall into effect where we're going to a more positive, progressive unit um, where we can all be better people and be truly, truly sought out as equals. And where that American flag can mean the same, per- same thing for a white person and the same thing for a black person when it really should all be about unity, but it really isn't truly a fair, a fair country that we live in right now. I think just to comment on like your experience with that, yeah. you weren't scared. Exactly. No, you were not scared when you jumped that fence or no. that sign yeah. and you ran and they stopped you. Right. Like not that's, thank that's, you for pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. That's a privilege that, yeah we take for granted all the time yeah and i think like there was i mean i don't really keep track of the people running around like the race or anything right. but like yeah. I, I, I there was only like a few people out that day and like there was like i would say a person of latin descent one black guy i saw an asian lady these are all people i, I run every day so i see them constantly so i kind of yeah. recognize certain people so there's a little bit of diversity out there but let's be honest probably like of the 30 people i passed like 25 of them were white mm-hmm. and like you know, and the cops probably weren't doing anything to anybody at that point because they're just trying to tell you, like, just don't, just don't run on the trail. But it could have been a different issue. What if it's like, you know, uh, you know, when it's dark outside early in the morning at six o'clock, and I'm running, you know, and they don't see me, or like if you're a person of color and you're like more worried about what what happens when you're running jogging because you've all heard stories about that too. People, people. I think it's just in general just ha- that it just happened. You know, like in yeah, Georgia, yeah. like when I've been pulled over. Yeah. My family is in the fire department mm-hmm. and i'm like okay now i gotta like drop names or oh my god i right. can't pay the, i remember right out of college i just got i get paid 15 dollars an hour or something like this is gonna ruin me because i just got an apartment if i get this ticket <laughs> i never once thought this cop's gonna take advantage of me they're gonna change the story You're not gonna shoot, go home they're soon, gonna yeah. shoot me right. they're gonna hurt me they're gonna detain me never once right. and i've gotten I mean, to be honest, like I've, I've been pretty combative, at least with my words with them before in the past, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and that's the biggest thing. That's what it keeps coming down to is like these experiences are not the same for us. Right. Um, and I think it's hard and I think it's fair to address that there may be people who have issues of us even like doing this podcast right now yeah, and talking so. about yeah. it. And I think I just want to put um put a statement out there that we're just trying to open conversations to make people continue to talk about it right. and we understand that like we wish there was a person of color here or we're listening as well i think um, we have our own little world that we can affect yeah and we our, don't want to scare world... people into not standing up right our for... world is very white um, very male centric as well. Yep. And like as you were ta- as we were talking before the podcast and last week too, like I saw people posting in the bourbon whiskey community online, um, Black Lives Matters and hashtags, but also the hashtag All Lives Matter. And it's something that to educate you right now, like that's seen as a very racist comment to the black community. You might th- yes, they will say all lives matter. Like the, 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 that is, but the whole point of the issue when it started, you know, what six years ago or so what the Black Lives Matter movement was, we want to be included too. Like it was, yeah. it's not about, it's not about like just your personal feelings as a white person. It's like we want to be seen. <laughs> it's it's a equal. lot like me saying my dad I, I has stage it, but, three right. cancer right. and the both of you going, 
my dad matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. my own dad matters. My dad, my, my dad has a headache. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, yeah. But the like, other thing as well is that, and this is from another video that I've seen, but uh, that I've seen, but one of the, this guy, a comedian, gets up and he's just like, "We're not even saying that they matter more than anyone else." Exactly. Yeah. We're just saying they matter. Yeah. Like not well, that, but not more than that, they need more. They need more attention right now, as yeah. far as they're not being treated correctly. So in some ways, they need to matter more. Yeah, right now. So I think um, with this podcast, we're talking to like the people we can talk to, the people yeah. we can yeah. affect. It's not right. We're not talking to like the black community. Yeah, we're like, not. Trying, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's about like we're I trying s- to take what we've learned, what we've taken yeah. in in the past week right. or so, and through our lifetimes, 100%. and educate like, people who would maybe tune in for. Um, this podcast as a break from all of it. All Surprise! Seven of all <laughs> seven and a half of them. Thanks for that half, Remy. Yeah, for that for that one listener in Japan. What's up? <laughs> we get the weirdest. I want the analytics and stuff. You're like, oh, one person from like Turkey. Like, ah, oh, nice. nice. <laughs> hey, but um, we had uh, we had a we. So my university is called Harriet Watt. They have a whiskey society. And they featured us on their Facebook they did. page. It was very nice. And their Instagram. Nice. Shout out to um to my friend Ali, Big Ali, legend, uh, McDermott. He is uh running the whiskey society nowadays. Nice. He used Thank to work you, at the Scotch Whiskey Association yeah. at the top of the Royal Mile. Ooh. Absolutely. The Royal Mile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Royal Mile in Iowa, of course. Um in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh the, yeah, so he he actually reached out and he was like, Oh man, like we're doing like a we're putting together a list of some good podcasts. <laughs> And I was like, well, you know, you got to include it. it. You got to include it. (laughs) Oh, oh, that was nice of them. No, I think what we can do now, I think, is talk about, um, you know, we were supposed to open up as a city on June 3rd, just a few days after uh, the protests happened in our city uh, earlier that weekend before. But people, I thought really cool too, was that a lot of restaurants decided not to open, not because they were scared of opening because things were getting defaced and broken into, but to show solidarity and support for mm-hmm. uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests that were happening throughout the city. Um, some places chose to open up last week and it was a breath of fresh air. I know like all three of us and a few other friends of ours were at Fountainhead and it was great to see those places back. And the places that were you know postponed a few days, it really sucked because I'm sure it cost them a little bit more money. It cost money to board up the and places. That's personally the biggest like percentage tip I've ever given paying on my <laughs> cards. I was just like so happy to be there. I was like, you know what, fuck it, you're getting fifty percent, Bob. Right, right. Yeah. And so like it's you know, it's affected our industry, but even our industry is showing solidarity by doing a caravan uh protest on uh this Friday, I believe. Whenever June twelfth is, whatever day of the week that is. Third Friday. Third Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So um but it's yeah, it's been I think it's just really cool to see that our city does care um, about what's going on in all aspects of the world. It's not just about like, how can we make a buck even though we've been closed for three months? Like let's push it back a few more days, make sure the city's calm, make sure the city's ready. Um, and people mm-hmm. are okay with us opening back up and having them back on their patios, um, sidewalk cafes and uh, I, rooftops. I love that feeling of, um, th- cause obviously part, part of, part of the big problem here is, you know, like we were saying before, people are, people don't really give a shit about their community. Like, yeah, they, they, mm-hmm. they really like, they, they'll maybe speak to one neighbor or whatever in their building, but actually giving a shit about their community, it, people aren't really that invested, you know? And sometimes I feel that that often happens in urbanized areas where, right. you know, it's every man for themselves and you live in a block of like, you live in a 35 <laughs> story flat that's got, you know, it's got 4,000 people living in the building. So you're not going to be that bothered about the building. Right, but right. there was a couple of places that we were at last week. Um, 
as patios and people were passing and not even not even asking <laughs> for a drink or anything but just nipping their head in the window in the door and they like you could hear them like the joy in their voices right. saying i'm so glad you guys are back open yeah because i mean we were seeing that restaurants that were open during the um pandemic with food delivery and uh for uh curbside, curbside pickup at best people were doing like nine percent of what they yeah. usually do but mm-hmm. more people were in that five single percent digits of, yeah five percent five percent of that range so but maybe that'll bring that maybe that'll bring a little bit more and maybe that's part of the reason as well that, that this was at the end of this or mm. in the middle of this pandemic <laughs> you know oh yeah and it was like people were even more sick of everything than they usually are right yeah and it was like right fuck this can't let this go on any longer um and maybe maybe we'll get lucky and maybe that the fact that communities were really struggling before this that after this is all said and done with people will pay more attention to the things that are going on in the community and more yeah. attention to caring about said community yeah you know? well and i think we've had time to care about our community mm-hmm. really think about it yeah you know i mean typically i'm traveling 50 to 60 percent of the time um when was the last time you, you left chicago I came home March 12th mm, from I came home March Mexico, trip. actually. Actually, oh. a real vacation, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was great. But, um, yeah. Uh, when, tra- was the, when was the last time that you spent three months without going anywhere? Mm, I, There's college? a question for you. I don't know. Oof. Yeah. Um, and it's given me time yeah and it it gives you time to realize like what matters what do you care about and like i've even thought about it like wow isn't it nice to kind of live a normal life um but i think that you also take time to realize that locals are like for small pubs that Mm -hmm. maybe our number one supporter right right we rely on those neighborhood people who keep it running oh Yeah. yeah um I don't know. I just feel like it's brought like compassion back for me yeah. and for my job when for a while it was like numbers, 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 numbers. Yeah, and we, now I'm like, we all got caught up, I think. Right. Yeah. Before this. And well, you just get caught up in, in what was in what was going on. And um, my Nana was talking about this and she said that obviously it's not this hasn't been a wartime thing, but she said that that was one of the biggest things yeah. that, that veterans found when they came back was the the frivolity of everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, it's like, all I give a shit about, not all my wife gives a shit about, or I, all I give a shit about now is my, my Saturday night party when, like, really, like, the whole time that I was away in, in, in a war zone or the whole time that, you know, if anyone's gone through a difficult time, the only thing that you give a shit about is your health and the people that you love's health and mm-hmm. your community's health, really, you know? Yeah. Or even the Black Lives Matter. Like, yeah, there's like an amount that, of people that would important. never have been able to protest right. because they're trying to make rent. They're trying to whatever. True. They have to keep their jobs alive. They're always busy. And it feels this important. gave you time to care about something mm-hmm. and, like, put, and it, like, yeah, it feels amazing yeah. to be able to support something terrible what's going on but at least now like it caught his attention yeah it, it it makes you reprioritize i think yeah i think there's more people out there definitely because of this um time we're in where even if you're working from home it's like i can't feel like a whole eight hour day if i'm like at an office or like for us or out making right. sales calls going to a bar buying drinks talking to bartenders blah blah, blah signing menus all that good stuff and i think even with like showing local support is that on every page of a protest because they are, you know, obviously um, 
getting permits to do so and then posting them on certain pages like protest chicago is one of the best pages you can go to to figure out what's going on is that on every page it says bring a trash bag pick up after your neighborhood Mm -hmm. do that um like i guess i'll just share a little anecdote frisk of sounding like a humble brag but uh, after the protest through our neighborhood uh, well i just I, i just was I don't know. I felt compelled to do something after sun- the first Saturday night of protests, and I just walked down through Lincoln Park to like, see what you could do to help clean up. Unfortunately, like the cops were blocking off streets that were already damaged at that point. So the, night, the next day after uh, that, when we had protests through my neighborhood here in Lakeview, the next morning after, which I marched in, I went and just walked with a trash bag at 6 o'clock in the morning and just picked up trash. And the cool thing was that I wasn't the only one doing that. Mm-hmm. It was other people out there. But the odd thing was, you drive by, people would drive by and see you doing it. Like, what's that guy doing out there with the trash bag? <laughs> you know, she's uh, so doing community service, but mandated. Um, but no, it, it was just, it was cool to see that there was other people out there. And during the protest, too, people at the very back were following the whole um, line of people and picking up trash. And, you know, you see people all over the streets and looking out their windows and banging pots and pans as people walk by and hold uh, community support. And if that's all you can do right now, that's all you feel comfortable doing, like, that's a step. It's a step. Mm-hmm. It's not the right answer necessarily, but it's a step of like you're showing solidarity for it all. Yep. I think I'd but that. And, and, you know, for us in the whiskey industry and we're part, technically we're a part of the restaurant and bar industry too, because uh, that's what we rely on for our sales. We just saw a whole drop off of people, but we see bars and restaurants already giving percentage of their money back to these causes, like donating right. to like local support, like, like, you know, um, my block, my hood, my city and, uh, you know, other organizations that help uh, black Peter people in Chicago too. And it's pretty amazing to see the generosity through that. Yeah. Right. So Michael Jordan placed a hundred million dollars over 10 years. Yeah. That's like mad amount of money. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think Willis Fountain had donating like 10% of their sales, um, to certain organizations so it's, it's pretty cool i know like local distilleries around here are doing the same thing as well and uh they waited patiently about not necessarily posting about right away like how we're going to support like mm-hmm. on the blackout tuesday and those kind of things people were uh, trying to figure out what was going on what was the right thing to do and it's like all right so here's what we've done already and we're going to post about that and then here's what we're going to do in the future too with a plan of action yeah. to go into place of what they've already done which is very supportive and actually shows they're not just you know peacocking or being disingenuous at all they really want to support chicago and yeah. their community and affect change overall yeah yeah and i think like piggybacking on that if you do do something um that you think you're helping yeah and it turns out that maybe a person of color has like a negative viewpoint on it apologize and start again right pivot and go again um i think staying silent is worse yeah definitely i think we all have our place here and we can do something better i think we all want to see better change um i know like my wife and i we've had so many conversations about what's the right thing to do where should we go from here and we're all trying to figure it out, but I think if you're having those conversations, it shows that you do care and you have mm-hmm. that you have the sympathy and empathy there. Where we'll never be able to walk, and I'll never be able to walk in a black male's shoes, but I can hopefully try to understand that and help them go ahead and know as much as you can, as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, supporting people who are in our industry and showing people who might be from a place that where only people like themselves uh, surround them, and that there is something out there that's a little bit different. As for drinking some Uncle Nearest whiskey, <laughs> just for, just for Ian, just for Ian out there. 
Um, but no, it's uh, it's been it's been a trip the last couple of weeks, and I'll keep posting photos to show people like what's going on in the city because I don't want people to lose touch of that. I don't think I've posted anything other than like about warehouse liquors getting looted, especially moving towards election times, right. you know, and 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 the media will try to spin these <laughs> ideas as violent rather than what they've really been. I mean, don't get me wrong, we talked about that originally. There was a very small percentage of the the protests that became riots, but yeah, the re- the, the vast majority by a long way um, has been super peaceful yeah. and it's getting things done. You know, it is actually changing things. So it's putting pressure on people. And like we said, you know, it's getting people that otherwise didn't really give a shit. It's <laughs> making them care. And that's the first step. So moving forward, make sure that you're, make sure that you're alert to that. You know, if you see um, the, a media outlet trying to portray these pro- protests as violent and it's a, there's a lot of people of color's faces on, on the front page, you know, mm-hmm. then you know what's going on. Um, yeah, and I think when you can um, try and show up early to something, mm. um, if you feel uncomfortable or you're worried or you feel like you've been reading that there's a lot of violence yeah. and you're not, you know, you don't live in the city maybe or or the whole thing kind of scares you, show up early and like watch from afar. Yeah, yeah. Um, great idea. And buy a helicopter. Build your, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy a helicopter learn to fly it okay and then like just follow the protest that way yeah or but really make your own decisions i'm so tired make of your own things. helicopter <laughs> right no you're right i think that's a great way to do it like it's you can you can be on the sidelines technically but be a part of it too and see how it really goes and um there are police there that care there's police there that will take care of the situation they're marching behind and on the sides of everything and they're there for, I hope, for their safety of everybody who's walking inside of those marches. Um, it seems sunscreen like sunscreen as well. Jesus. Yeah, bring a bottle of water. I mean, I know. Jamie's, Jamie's looking a little bit red. <laughs> yeah. No, if you actually, no, that's a great point. Because if you are going to these marches, um, water, bring a backpack. Food. Put yeah. it, put it like a, a couple of granola bars or like a bag of peanuts in there. Um, that's what I've been doing. Bringing a bottle of water. Make sure you go to the bathroom beforehand because there's yeah. not going to be any bathrooms around there to go to. Uh, I had to like leave one because we were like par- passing through my ha- by my, my place. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom and then run back out. And it was <laughs> so you, big. Did you offer it out to the protest? <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone need to take a quick leak? <laughs> Five hundred thousand people are like, yes. I wasn't that respectful because like, one, <laughs> one time when I worked in an art gallery, that was some construction guys across the street, and the next thing you know, our bathroom was blown up a few times. Oh wow. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, d- definitely be prepared. Um, also, bring a trash bag uh, to pick up trash. I always have a trash bag in mind. Bring a pair, of, bring a pair of gloves too if you do want to pick up mask. trash. And then bring a mask too because uh, be respectful, I guess, of the pandemic. It's still going on, even though that forty-five percent of and our cases can, are in our nursing um, homes. <laughs> leave your phone on airplane mode. Oh yeah, I've seen this. The GPS technology, yeah. right? Not even that. No, just as a person, like when you're traveling and you're out, like if you need a right, if you need to leave. And you need a way out. Like, don't let that phone die. Yeah, like, yeah. iPhones can die quickly. Keep yourself safe. Keep right. your phone charged. Have Bring a battery a backup, pack. Backup, yeah, yeah. It helps out a lot because it sometimes it's only maybe a two mile march, but if there's thirty thousand people that show up, that happened like on Saturday, it takes an hour, an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. it took all day. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing that when I knew we were going to do this podcast that I've been grappling with is like, how do we? make the alcohol industry more inclusive yeah i don't have an answer that was one of the things you texted me right away about somebody won't say their name right now um that was showing visible support for donald trump's racist and uh 
malicious comments towards the people that were protesting peacefully in America. Like, do we call these people out? Do we blast them on social media and essentially dox them in a way, not necessarily giving away their like address and all that stuff, but showing who they are, showing their true colors as a human being. And a part of me was, you know, we had a long we text We went back thread. and forth. Yeah. yeah. I personally, I debated back and forth on Facebook comments, but that drives me nuts because I feel like you don't get anywhere with that. No, they just continue to like personally attack you. And it's this, it's this, it's this idea as well of, as well of, of the polarization, you know, like, attacking people get so defensive that way like i think it'd be mm-hmm. i think it, honestly in that kind of situation i think it's worth just like giving them a wee phone well see you know? i don't know this person personally oh uh, okay uh they have a position that i used to hold um with a comp a large company and was it helicopter pilot mm-hmm. was it God damn. Um, <laughs> i ended up commenting and i was like you know i i don't think that we are going to convince one another through Facebook comments. Yeah. If I see you out and about, I can't wait to chat with you. Mm-hmm. And I left it at that. Yeah. What did they say? Respond to that? No. Yeah. But I'll hold myself accountable. Uh, yeah. I will. I'll hold you accountable. <laughs> um, That's a good way of doing it. I agree with that. Because I'm trying to find ways to... Again, if someone's being attacked, they're probably not going to change their racist ways. I'm not saying that people don't have a right to attack. I don't. I don't. I think what you were what we were talking about the other day too was you weren't trying to change their mind. You're trying to open up everybody else around in this industry to who that person is. Like, I think people. Oh, that's are, true. Yeah, yeah. I was like, should that's I? Why, help that's why. That's why. That's why I took it. Yeah. 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 Um, it was I, both, but. Yeah, because I've even had uh, a buddy of mine email me or text me about the. Uh, about whiskey advocate and their publisher who's a supporter of Trump, and he's like, "Should I stop getting my publication to that?" Well, I'm like, "I don't know whiskey advocates' personal views, but if you enjoy the magazine and they just because they are their publisher is a supporter of Trump doesn't mean they are. It's the way they. Yeah. But we are going to making those tough decisions about where is our money really going these days and who are we really supporting with that at the end of the day. And I think it does matter. It does matter. Like, but I think also it's like if, you know, if that publication just, it's owned by somebody who they can't control the, their yeah. point of views. But it goes back to, I mean, it goes all into like sports and like uh, even with, you know, the college I root for at Iowa, like there's, they're having some trouble in their, in their program right now about potential um, racist comments given to uh, players through uh, their strength, uh, strength and conditioning coach and um, the Suns, or son of the head coach too, who is the offensive coordinator. Like, is everybody let off the hook because of it? If you, you know, if you kind of side with one person, but you know, there's other people above it all that are involved. I know it's hard. Like I was thinking, I was like, Oh, should I screenshot this and send it to the head of the company that he works for? Right. But nothing was, I don't know. It would have been a debate as of how it was perceived. Yeah. And like, like nothing was overt, I guess, is what I would say. And it's not fair. People take you the wrong way of doing it. And then they start attacking you for it. Cause like you have different political views when you're just trying to highlight, Hey, someone's being a bigot or being, yeah. being a but racist. But I think it takes like, and unfortunately right now it's a lot of older white men right. that are running companies, but it takes the heads Look of companies of to say, I don't stand for this. Right. If you are not with me, goodbye. Yeah. I think well, it's great. The it's CEO of CrossFit, you see that? No. No. So CrossFit, obviously, massive kind of like um, fitness trend at the moment, right? Or, you know, and it has been for the last kind of 10 years. Um, 
he he made a racist comment on Twitter and Reebok just came out and they said, right, we're done. We wow. we're, we quit with uh, a CrossFit. That's it. It's over. And now all the athletes of CrossFit, Good. all the kind of multi-million dollar athletes that they've got on their payroll, like the ones that run all the sponsorships, the ones that do all the partnerships and they make all the money and they're the faces of the game, they all said that they're boycotting it. So it's it's that kind of action that that's required by you know the the that top end mm-hmm. um it's it's wild I, like i say this one this one feels different yeah this one feels different and i think people also understand too just because the brands you follow the brands that you might be you know purchasing or might be invested in just because they don't make a statement doesn't mean they're not they're trying to figure it out still this is still yeah. very early yeah, on yeah, yeah. i think for a lot of people had a lot of but I think that they should and I work I work for brands that haven't um I think that you should look at those people's like me personally Mm -hmm. I've been very vocal about it so if I'm out there and I'm trying to make a living it's hard right yeah and people people make a brand too so like if individuals with inside of that company are saying something on their personal page I think that's where it starts like see what see what people that make up the company are really saying who they really are as individuals and they'll show their true colors that way but I think that's hard because then you're still feeding a beast that may be racist maybe yeah I I mean mean, it's it's hurting me by saying that for my career but I'm being honest yeah you mean you look at where the generate where the uh the evolution of this company where or a company but the in- evolution of this industry you know where it all started was in the south mm-hmm. and you know we're drinking whiskey here that was essentially a company that was founded upon having slaves a slave started the whole system of making help other as the legend goes of uh uncle nearest making jack daniel's whiskey and per- and basically perfecting the style of whiskey that they make and now i've been resurrecting resurrected in the last couple of years into a name and a brand that's named after that uh that guy, you know, who uh, yeah. re- basically revolutionized the whole Tennessee whiskey industry. And you look in the South, people in plantations, you know, that's what was going on down in the South at the time when whiskey started to get its break and then whiskey started proliferating as well. Um, it, it's There's there's certain things that have to be phased out. And I don't think people are sitting around and waiting for that to happen. They're taking action now to do that. And I think if we had to list things now, like what are small steps a brand ambassador can take to be more inclusive. I'd have to, you'd have to, that's, that's like, it's hard. No, I know it is. I would need to sit. I would need to sit. And because obviously like, I think one might be like looking into neighborhoods that are primarily minorities. How can I get involved in your summer festivals? You're spending freaking millions to try and be part of Lollapalooza or this or that. Like, how do we get, I think just visiting more stores in the south side and west side. Yeah. Maybe one step in Chicago. Yeah. You know, um, I think as well what we were talking about causing a stir as well. Like yeah, yeah. programs like that getting involved and making sure that any, I mean, right now, obviously brand funds are always going to be tight and getting money from your boss is always going to be difficult. But True. Especially now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, moving more in that kind of direction is really, really important. Yeah. And I think that there's brands that, so I disagree in some senses that I think that like for, for a brand like for my brand or for any brand that I think it's important not to not to manufacture like the, you know, the Blackout Tuesday was a big one. You know, you, there was a lot of brands that were getting smoked because they've never really done anything yeah. to support it. And, they you know, putting all these posts up and talking about one one thing or the next. And I saw a lot of people commenting, right, sent, like if you are 
if you're a Nike, to take a random brand name, if you're a Nike, um, post a picture of your board of directors. Like if you if you really support this, like you know, and I get that, and I think, but I think part of it is the same as speak out and get that negative comment, and then take that as criticism and, and pivot. Right. Yeah. Like, but plan. saying nothing. Yeah. See, I'm. I was. I'm like for us, Abelar, especially. You know. With with our, I don't know how I don't know how much I don't know how much stock we've got in being able to say that. Yeah. Now and it, now for me personally, I would much rather that. We didn't try and say anything, and we just uh, moving forward. We just decided to get better. Yeah. You know? Like whether it was. I see both sides, but I think the yeah. hard part is like. I can say I don't think I can change brands by myself. I can try, but I'm not the owner. Right. No, of course, yeah. Which is hard, you know. I mean, and that's the beauty of working on smaller brands, right? Like, yeah. Because you, you do feel like you have that little bit more autonomy within a brand, and you do have more influence. Like, for example, if I was working for one of Diageo's big powerhouses, like if I was working for a Johnny Walker, you know, whatever it is, 20 million cases a year, that's an insurmountable task to right. feel that I'm going to have a really big impact on that. But, but they, I get what you're saying also. It's yeah. like, yeah, you can't make them hire minorities. Right. You can't make them put things on social media. Yeah. But you can change what you do in your day-to-day job right. and who to you make, interact to make it with. So, yeah, so that in six months' time or in a year's time, instead of posting something now in six months or a year's time we can say hey um we did actually pay attention to what was going on Mm -hmm. we did pay attention to what people were saying and we have started to implement changes here are the changes that we've made and then at least it's not an empty black screen right on our insta right and then without a plan of action yeah yeah at least it's a real bit of progress that's made in in what i feel would be the best direction you know rather than um rather than saying that we're going to do things like we actually walk the walk, you know, or walk yeah. the talk, whatever, you know. Yeah. Walk the walk. We'll walk the walk if uh walk the walk of yeah. walk the walk of the talk. We'll walk the walk, walk the cat. That's that's no. it, yeah. No, no. Walk the catwalk? Yeah. Catwalk. Something like that. Well, I'm glad we can relate this conversation at least back to like what we're what's happening inside of the industry and hopefully what we can improve upon. At least by people listening to this knowing that it's uh you can start small and hopefully affect the world that way too because or industry that needs change, um, and hopefully that will come about it. Uh, I think it will come about it because I think there's people yeah, like there's a lot of people like us out there that and this care won't about be it. the end of this, will it? Like this no, is this no, is the, I, only the beginning for us as as people that are working at brands that have room right. to change. So, and if you're out there listening and do you think there should be a voice in this podcast, reach out to us. Um, you know, DM us is probably the easiest way on Instagram. It's the easiest way to talk about people you want to see, you want to hear um, on our podcast because, like I said. I don't have the biggest platform in the world, but it is a platform and we speak about the whiskey industry and we think, uh, you know, whiskey can help change the world because all about whiskey for us is about inclusion. It's about sitting down, having a conversation and enjoying the person that's across from you and the drink too. Um, so that's kind of what we thought, what we all get into this for, what we love to is all, all the inclusion part. Hey, anytime buddy. Um, Wilson. Get over here quick. Yeah. But, uh, for Jamie Duffy, Callum O'Donnell and Remy Lou the dog. What's up, Urian Husky of Lakeview? I am Jake Hookie. This is the Key in the Late Podcast. Thank you for listening and cheers. <laughs>